You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to On the Bench. I am Brendan Sinone. Josh, do we call this an emergency podcast? Is this an emergency or just an instant reaction podcast? What are, what are we doing here? What are we doing with our lives? I think this is the definition of an emergency podcast, to be honest with you. I need to get some sirens going. <laughs> yeah, it's an emergency. What are you drinking? So I came home and I said, if they win, I'm going to pour myself a nice bourbon, 17-year-old Wild Turkey 101. Or not 101, it's 100 proof, actually. 17 years old. So that's Jim Beam because they lost. No, no, no. This is still good stuff. It's not great stuff. It's uh, Stag Jr. It's 130 proof. I am getting f***ed up tonight. (sighs) All right. Well, let's, let's get into it. FSU loses to Georgia Tech 16 to 13. You guys all just watched the start of the Mike Norvell era get off to well, a, uh, a thud. There was weather delays, a 10-point lead squandered, emotions running wild. Brandon, what was the most disturbing part from the loss? I'm going down and, and doing a column now of just the things that kind of stood out. And offensive line play, poor. James Blackman starting off fine and then falling apart, reflective of the past. Uh, The defensive line not living up to its potential, where we heard that before. Uh, In many ways, it was reflective of the issues. A a team that that started off fast and then all of a sudden uh, just stubbed its toe. I mean, it was like kind of deja vu of the Boise State game in some ways from last year. So it was just very reflective, Josh, of – what we've seen from this program in the last three or three years or so. And I think that's what, what bothers me is it, it didn't seem a whole lot different today. It felt almost repetitive groundhog day, if you will. Yeah. Chris, you want to weigh thought, in on this one? I thought you two were just going to do the pod. So I was just going to sit here and observe. <laughs> um, Chris is here too. Hi, Chris. Hi guys. I, it was disappointing as hell. I mean, I don't really know another way to summarize it. I've been trying to think about it since it ended, walking to the car, riding home, you know, waiting for about half an hour before we sat down to do this since getting home. I, it was just so insanely disappointing. I mean, it, I didn't expect miracles. I don't think anybody did. I did expect the offense to have some success, and really they didn't. They did on one drive, and then they produced a couple field goal opportunities. Well, actually, three field goal opportunities defensively expected so much more. The defensive line did not create havoc. It did not disrupt things. It, it left so much to be desired with Josh Kando and then after Josh Kando had mm-hmm. to leave, and especially after Kando left, they, they just didn't do anything. The interior did not produce anything. I did think Asante Samuel Jr. and Amari Gaynor both played really good games on defense. I don't want that to be drowned out by all the disappointment of the overall production of that unit. But, man, it just – George, I didn't, I didn't think anything of Georgia Tech walking into that game. And truthfully, walking out, I still don't think Georgia Tech's that good of a football team. Mm-hmm. I thought they played a very good, good, controlled, smart game. Got rid of it quickly with the quarterback. Took what was there for them to take. Ran it consistently. Shortened the game some. 
uh, you know, didn't make bad decisions, didn't put themselves in bad situations with decisions, capitalized when opportunities presented themselves. So they they did a lot of good things. FSU, eh, not a whole lot of good things. I thought special teams was improved. Mm-hmm. But, man, I struggle after that. You know, I thought the quarterback play was abysmal. Um, you know, I think I'm probably out of the three of us, one who's most ready to move on from James Blackman, and today did nothing to change my opinion of that. Running backs, I thought LaDamian Webb ran hard, but the production of that group wasn't very good, and a lot of that has to do with the blocking wasn't very good. The blocking started better than it finished, and, man, once they started racking up some injuries on that O-line, they were awful. I mean, Chaz, Chaz Neal came in, and James Blackman was in line to get destroyed, and that created the huge play, that created turnover, that created the go-ahead field goal, mm-hmm. FSU loses. Mm-hmm. Um, tight ends, Cam McDonald, hell of a catch in the first half. And I don't really remember Cam doing anything bad in that game, but he kind of became a non-factor after a very hot start early on. Receivers were poor. They were bad. Mm -hmm. Drops by Warren Thompson, drops by Tamori and Terry. Um, You know, there was an example. Big drops, too, not just drops, but ones that would keep a drive going or or potentially. Ontario Wilson, or was that when Damian Webb fumbled one? Luckily, it went out of bounds. Uh, oh, yeah. Wilson fumbled, Webb Wilson recovered. Webb recovered, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, That could have been disastrous right there. He stripped him running across the middle. But nothing, nothing disappointed me more than the fact they were facing an opposing freshman quarterback with a team mm-hmm. that had probably the worst offensive line in Power 5 football last year, if not college football, and whose offensive tackles still leave a lot to be desired this year, and they just didn't create anything. Like, they they didn't get run all over. They averaged what about four per carry? I think on the four, day four but, per carry, which is what they did last year. Do you have uh, J- Chris? You know the answer to this, Josh. How many sacks did FSU have tonight? Yeah, Ooh. one, one, correct. How many one. tackles for loss do you think they had? Three, six, which is still okay. not very good. Much better than I thought. There twice as twice as good. And and the sack belonged to I think it was a shared between what Raymond Woody and Amari Gainer, correct? Yeah. 8-5-0, double team. And Amari had a couple of those tackles for loss. So again, productive from Amari, but man, the D line just for a group that we thought would be a strength of this team, they were a miserable disappointment tonight. Would you say, Chris, that was the biggest surprise? Yes. Yeah. Because everything else we kind of expected. I mean, we knew the def- we knew the defensive ends weren't going to produce a pass rush. We 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 banged that drum all off season. Um, and then Kendo gets Joshua Kendo yeah, get, gets hurt, and once that happens, that just it, that, it fell off a cliff. But the Kendo. interior, I mean, Durden looked gassed, right, for mo- much of the game. I thought Durden looked pretty gassed. I just I didn't really see Fabian Lovett in there as much as I thought I would. Um, Coop got banged up. Yeah, yeah Robert, Cooper. Robert Cooper had some nice plays early on. Marvin Wilson, they were trying to move him around, and, and he didn't make the splash plays. No, he just couldn't get it going. It just – it was such a disappointing defensive effort. They didn't – I didn't feel like FSU at any point defensively. Obviously, Asante makes the two huge interceptions, has an opportunity at a third. Emmett Rice nearly had an interception. So there are those examples. But I didn't feel like the defense at any point kind of enforced their will upon Georgia Tech. Right. Yeah, and even the even the interceptions really. I mean, looking back on it, well, one of in the interceptions one of the interceptions was created by pressure, and the other one was just a poor throw by Sims at Sam. Uh, they were both pretty. And both the, the Emmett Rice one was a bad throw by a freshman quarterback, where the mm-hmm. linebacker was jumping in front of him. If he catches that, he has a chance at potentially outside so that ball. Sims gave FSU opportunity. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. 
but he also was a very good game manager. He, mm-hmm. outside of the few select throws we just talked about, he didn't make a whole lot of bad throws. He did make a couple of really in a row. He didn't. Ones. He didn't string them together. Yeah. He didn't have a bunch of bad series in a row. He didn't have a bunch of bad throws in a row. And he was an effective runner. He was our leading rusher on the day. But I just i I don't think Georgia Tech's offense is. I don't think an offense like that should have controlled FSU like it seemingly did today. I I don't get. I don't think it all falls on players nor coaches. I think it's a collective. I, I don't think – I don't know. I, I think FSU's defensive approach entering the game certainly fell short of what they ended up needing in this game. Hmm. But I think this game played out a hell of a lot different than they probably expected it to in their heads, especially in the sense of the offense being able to produce points. Brendan, do you want to step in here and defend James Blackman? Yeah, sure. I am the the James Blackman defender on this podcast. Like he didn't do, it wasn't a good game for him. He was 23 of 23 of 43 for 198 yards. So it's like, what, what, how many yards per, how many yards per uh, attempt? Like less than, less than five, less than five. I mean, that's awful. It's an awful stat line. Chris, you mentioned this with the wide receivers. Like he was not helped out by his wide receivers, Tamar and Terry and, Warren Thompson, both guys who were hyped up quite a bit this preseason. Uh, duds of games, really, if we're being honest. Tamar and Terry gets kind of banged up. Warren Thompson with some key drops and and starts kind of losing his emotions later in the game, which is something that you worried about with Warren. That's part of the James, stat, James Blackman stat line, not looking all that good. But then additionally, the offensive line not helping him as well. So, so there's areas where James Blackman did not get help. Uh, he had some really nice throws early on. So, so I can defend James to an extent. I don't think he played as poorly as a lot of people, uh, especially on social media, like shocking that, that people on social media were ready to give up on James Blackman. My thing, though, that I came away with today and that I can't defend is, and this is something that it took me, it's taken me a while to, to kind of come up with this idea of James, but he is very much so a mirror. He is reflective of the surroundings around him. He's not someone who elevates the team consistently, uh, when things go poorly, he just falls further back to when things go poorly, when things are going well. Yeah, he's a capable quarterback who can make good throws. Uh, the inability for him to to really elevate, though, everyone around him has seemingly been lacking for, for years now. And it just kind of dawned on me today when we were walking, Chris and I were walking from the car or to back from the stadium back to our cars that James just doesn't really elevate anyone around him. And right now there are a ton of holes on offense. The running backs didn't look particularly explosive, even though some of them ran hard. The wide receivers were disappointing, and, and not even just with the catching, but just not looking very twitchy. Uh, that was surprising to me. And then the offensive line is the offensive line at this point. So without a whole lot of help around him, James just doesn't have the juice to to really make everyone else take the next step forward. And I think that was kind of a disturbing trend that, that's been shown for years now. It just became evident to me this evening. So much of the offseason talk was about responding. And obviously, James was a big piece of that talk because he's struggled in that department in the past. But in general, it's something that was discussed about the whole team. And they just simply didn't do that tonight. And to me, the, like when you're trying to build your culture, when you're trying to build the DNA of what your program is going to be, you need to see signs of that. And it just wasn't there. And that, that's so discouraging. And it's one game. 
Let's all remember right. that. It is one game. They can come out in two weeks against Miami and look like a far sharper, better football team. They can do a lot of things that they did poorly tonight that is on them and not something the opponent did to them and do them more effectively, and maybe they'll be a much better football team. But to come out of the gate that way, eh, it's discouraging. You know, even with all of the factors of shortened spring, lack of install, you know, so much virtual climate, all of that, we get all that. We've talked about it ad nauseum. It doesn't right. need to be rehashed. Both teams out there tonight, though, had to deal with similar factors, except for one's in year two, the other one's in year one. I think then we start getting, and I don't want to get too far down. Actually, I'm not going to even bring it up now. Uh, we'll talk about it on Monday. On Monday, there's more big picture stuff with personnel and decisions that Mike Norvell has made that you can look at after one game, and maybe it's a knee-jerk reaction and, and kind of question, uh, certainly right now. When we look at the kind of finishing up the offense here, you – have 307 yards of total offense. You start off with those first two drives that Chris said that they result in 10 points, especially the first drive looks really well. The scripter looks really good. The scripted one FSU averaged 6.9 yards per play in the first quarter. After that, the rest of the game, they averaged three yards per play. That is horrible. The run, the rushing it felt like that too. Watch it, it did. <laughs> the, the number doesn't really surprise you at all. Sometimes the number will be like, no, Oh, wow, no, no. Yeah, 3.0 sounds about right. Uh, maybe even generous. The, the rushing attack, you have 35 carries for 109 yards, that's 3.1 yards per carry. The running backs, both LaDamian Webb and Jay Sean Corbin, averaged three yards a carry. Uh, Jordan Travis gave you a little something, he averaged six and a half yards per carry. Uh, and then the offensive line, Chris was uh, both of you guys when, when you watched the line. Did it look any better at any points? I think early on it did, but then just, man, once those injuries mounted and and those guys were dinged up, it it reverted back to some bad habits very, very quickly. Yeah, early on it had some success. It didn't look half bad. Um, well, it did look half bad, but it looked better than we remember it being in the past. But, man, they had four of their starters at different points go out in that game. Devontae Love Taylor got banged up on one where he gave up. I believe it was a sack. Uh, Chaz Neal comes in. On the next play, that's a fumble that's created. That's a huge piece of it. Marie Smith got banged up. Darius Washington got hit in the side of his, like, ankle, maybe lower leg area. He came back in with a heavy wrap on it. Um, Brady Scott comes in, gets the penalty on fourth and three, false start, turns into a fourth and eight late when FSU turns it over on downs, kind of ending their comeback effect at that point. Uh, it's just it's it's such a bad unit. And it has no depth developed and nothing you can rely on. Thomas Schrader was out today. We did not see Robert Scott, I believe. I don't think Robert ever took a snap. I don't the believe so. Um, they played six guys pretty much. Baby, baby on came in at center one point. They get a penalty for a false start and it's on the center. You know, the, situa- the false start was created by the center in that situation. Yeah, everyone else it, on the line, all four other guys moved except for yeah. maybe The ball just wasn't snapped. Yes. It, it it's just – it's so I – mean, it's same year, different – you know, same stuff, different year. It's Groundhog Day. This was this but, felt like Groundhog Day. We knew the O-line was going to be an issue. We, we thought they may coach around it a little bit, do a little bit better here and there with trying to play to strengths that they believe they may have within that group in certain situations. And I think they tried to do that some tonight. There was some pulling going on, some movement where they did create a couple of things. Yeah. A lot of running back screens to try to help those guys out some, but it's just at the end of the day, when they have to line up and win the line of scrimmage for, you know, 70, 80 plays in a football game over a four quarter stretch, they're not capable of doing it. 
that's and that, that's against a Georgia Tech D line that doesn't say. have Antonius Clayton. He didn't play because of the injury, and truthfully, has nobody among their front that should evoke fear in your heart. You're, you know, it's not it's not Boogie Basham at Wake Forest or any of the dudes at Clemson like Breezy or you know Brumph uh, uh, at Duke. You know, there's a hell of a lot of good D linemen in this league, and none of them line up for Georgia Tech. So yeah, Georgia Tech was in the hundreds nationally in yards allowed per per run last season. Yeah, I mean, it's in the sense of thinking FSU could make progress this year, and it is one game, and they obviously could get better. It, tonight was extremely a disheartening experience and believing that they're going to suddenly figure some things out and be able to play better. I mean, they, they were pretty awful. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, do you want to take a quick commercial break, Josh, then we'll get, get to defense? Yeah, let's, let's do that. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. And we're back on the bench. I want to flip it over to the defensive side of the ball. Um, Brandon, I'm, I'm seeing there's a lot of criticism of Adam Fuller right now on, on the Knowles 24-7 message boards. And, and, and fans are upset, but it's, you know, it's only about an hour after the game. How much do you put on Adam Fuller versus how much do you put on the talent on the field? The game plan to me, and I want to rewatch it, but the game plan to me initially seemed like FSU wanted to force Jeff Sims, the freshman quarterback, the former Florida State commitment. This is kind of a worst case scenario, huh? For him to come mm-hmm. in and, and have a have a good game and look like he can actually it's be kind of something. part of the course for the last few. Ooh, years, that's right? a tough. Okay. That's a tough. We've already yeah. seen it with Sam Howell. So yeah, this one felt a little different though, because Sam Howell was someone they wanted to to keep really bad. Jeff Sims seemed like that was kind of a mutual. Uh, moving on uh, so to speak so with uh in terms though of of adam fuller's scheme and what they did today it seemed like they wanted to allow jeff sims to try to make a lot of throws underneath and eventually let the freshman rookie quarterback make mistakes which worked it worked well early on and and jeff like didn't have to make a ton of tough throws throughout the game they were more worried about him mobile wise it felt like that where they were trying to keep him contained and mm-hmm. that's where I have an issue with the scheme or, or at least with the way that the tactics worked out he was able to rush for 60 yards he was able to make a fair amount of pretty easy throws downfield and into his running backs he didn't seem like he was under duress a whole lot so I don't know if that's just you if you don't have defensive ends that are generating pressure when the one guy you do have Joshua Kendo who you're hoping for gets out in the game pretty early. Uh, I don't know how much you can coach around that. 
so I would like to look at it a little bit more, but but certainly not the the start that you wanted for Adam Fowler, uh, especially with some of the third down defense in the second half kind of lets you down in some spurts. So yeah, there, there's some there's some things there that need to be be evaluated for sure in terms of personnel and how they utilize guys. But if they don't have a pass rusher on the edge, man, it's going to be a long season. Yeah, I, I think they were willing to let Georgia Tech dink and dunk on them. Make basically make them work, make them put together a long series, make a young quarterback make some plays, get them in some third and tough situations. And, you know, I I think they can live with 16 points in a normal game and what they're expecting in a game. But they didn't score enough for that to matter. And I don't think there was the understanding till, you know, the final quarter or so that, man, this game's going to be played this tight. And it's tough to kind of adjust on the fly like that because it's not like the defense. I don't want to say the defense played good. I don't want to say they played super poor. I don't think it's either extreme, you know, greater poor. They just didn't do anything particularly special outside of Asante's picks. Obviously, Marv had to block kicks, but that's special teams, not defense in my mind. And that's where I I just, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I expected the defense to, just kind of lean on Georgia Tech at some point and kind of take them out of their comfort zone. And that never happened. It, Georgia it never Tech was kind of allowed to do what they wanted to do throughout. And there were very few big plays for Tech. I mean, they and, put together some chunk plays, but it's not like they were taking whatever the hell they wanted whenever they wanted to. It's just they took a little bit out of time and it was enough to stay ahead of the chains. Well, it, Georgia Tech doesn't have a great – like you look statistically, so there's 438 yards of total offense, 5.8 yards per play – 16 points, obviously the red zone with the, the two blocked extra or two blocked field goals and the block extra point takes some points off the board. I thought FSU's defense was good, but it was against a below average to bad offense. So what does that make you as a defense? Like it was probably like an average to above average performance overall, which wasn't the expectation of, of what we were being told about this defense entering entering the season. Were there bright spots? Special teams was better. Uh, yeah, special teams know, was real good. Gainer, Samuel, we've mentioned them. I think those are two guys that deserve that mention. I thought that Damian Webb ran it real hard. Um, Jordan Travis, what he came in to do, designed running, was effective. Mm-hmm. Um, Keyshawn Helton was a nice moment, but it, yeah. you know, he didn't have a big game other than that. That was a nice moment. Cam McDonald shows you, like, okay, we, we can – yeah, that was maybe a big try time to force ca- try to force feed him a little bit at this point. That was a big time catch early by Cam that helped set up that touchdown. Uh, I um, thought Asante and Amari were the two guys. Obviously, Asante, but Amari flashed and took over in a few spurts as well on defense. But no, there there weren't enough. Um, yeah, you know, defense left so much more to be desired. Offensive line was as bad as we all remember them being, and man, they fell off a cliff when they started getting banged up. And the Kando moment was. Yeah, that that sucked to see. Um, yeah, seeing him take one directly off what it looked like the knee, and yeah, it was kind of a cheap hit in my book. So no, no, it was it wasn't a fun night. It was not an enjoyable football game to watch, and not just because FSU lost. It just wasn't a very well played football game. There was quite a few penalties between the two teams. Uh, Georgia Tech players apparently like sitting on grass a lot. Yeah, I just I, I don't know. I didn't really okay. enjoy it. I'm, 
I'm tired of bad football, Josh Newberg. I'm tired of it. I just want to have a fast, decent football game to watch. That first drive, though, man, that first drive was like cocaine. Yeah, we've Sorted seen that up. before. That's yeah. true. That's All right. True. Well, it's getting late. I can tell you guys are tired. You guys are wearing down a little bit. I'm hungry. Oh. But before we get out of here, I got to ask you, Chris. Wait, can I share something about food real quick, Josh? I'm sorry to interrupt, but I do want to share about food real quick you said you were hungry i wanted to get fast food on the way home i said no my wife's gonna have food waiting for me i'm sure i go in the fridge nothing new except for this chili that she made last night that was the worst chili she's ever made in her entire life it was inedible and so i had to eat chef boyardee this evening after slaving today i had his work i had a turkey sandwich when i got home it was delicious i'm gonna go pick something up i don't know what but before I do that, Chris, did FSU look better coached to you? Mm. Or worse? No, I, I don't think worse for sure. I, yeah, I think they were better coached. They, they Execution stunk. Um, I don't know that they adjusted like I necessarily would like to see them adjust. But, yeah, they were better coached. Yeah, how much adjusting can you really do out there? Brad, yeah, what was your takeaway from seeing Mike Norvell on the sideline this this game? At the very end of the game, and Mike Norvell's not a big guy. We've talked about that before. Like he he talks loudly, and I think it's because this is me coming as like a five foot eight guy. You sometimes you have to compensate. He's not the biggest guy. But when he carries himself on the football field watching him practice, he has his dog in him. Like you can understand why he was a successful college football player because he has his attitude. He has this verbose, uh, big energy to him. And at the end of the game, I saw him looking down at the play cards a lot. I felt like he looked a little smaller almost in, in some way. And, and I think what, as I perceive that, it was a man who was searching for an answer, especially on the offensive side, and really couldn't find one because I, I think there may have been this realization last or tonight that there's a ways to go with personnel. They have a ton of deficiencies, maybe more than they thought. That's me projecting a little bit of what I believe, but, but he did seem like someone who, who didn't have that same exuberance and, and energy that we've seen from him throughout his brief tenure here during practices. So, so that was interesting. That stood out to me watching his demeanor on the sideline. Yeah, he's a glass half full guy. And even in his press conference, you could tell he was, he was disappointed but he understood they need to get back to work, get better, and try to put a better product on the field in two weeks when they return to action. All right, fellas. That was our instant reaction emergency podcast while sitting on the bench drinking bourbon. Woo! Hey, you know what I'm thinking? What? What? That I shouldn't have predicted FSU would score 34 freaking points. Oh, God. I <laughs> felt bad about my 30. You just must feel like a jackass. And, no, no, I was I, thinking, I you know, the intro music to this podcast is so uh, opposite the mood right now. And if it's going to be this <laughs> type of season, should we just change? Should no! we get a little darker on the intro? <laughs> was it david lake found the that was the point of the music was when you're feeling good it gets you going when you're feeling bad the the level of irony to play this music uh no i'm not changing it over my dead body all right well for brennan sinone and his dead body 
for Chris Nee and Josh Newberg. We are Knowles 24-7. Good night. season of the original hit series mayor of kingstown my job is to create a balance avoid a war from executive producer taylor sheridan co-creator of yellowstone there's some new players in town and they brought the flag and antoine fuqua director of training day i know it's always been a war zone mike but this is next level the mayor is back in business are you warning me you're gonna find out mayor of kingstown new season streaming june 2nd exclusively on paramount plus